have lots of de-icing equipment, right? You would think Chicago, of all places, would have de-icing equipment. Uh, Curtis is traveling. The Mastons are traveling. They should be arriving in Calgary today sometime. Um, he asked me, hey, as a confidant, how do I stay warm when I'm working outside in Calgary? Well, it's easy. Don't go. Um, <laughs> don't go outside. <laughs> uh, so he's taking all his equipment that he can and uh, uh, his gear and clothing and lots of warm clothes. So hopefully they're going to stay warm. Rachel's going to go snowshoeing uh, while they're there. Uh, so she's going to get out and about. Where? I guess. I. What else are you going to do on there? Snowshoeing? Snowshoeing do you want on flat? You don't you don't want to do snowshoeing on Oh okay. If you go in the right place then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to Ruth Ann. Oh good. And reason nobody's heard from her, she's in the hospital. Oh no. Uh she ended up getting blood clots all through her system. And so they've had her on some real strong blood thinner, and she told me yesterday that she's going to have to take Coumadin shots the rest of her life now. Mm -hmm. And well, I I just sent her a text because wow. she said Thursday. She kept saying it was like last Thursday, and I got thinking maybe it was just this Thursday. So I just sent her a text asking her, you know, how many days have you been in the hospital? But um, they've moved bodies to. Uh, a scale nursing facility. Okay. And uh, they've already kind of set it up where he's got a place in Alamosa to go to. Okay. If he can't go home. And they're in the process. Well, of course, she has to get out of the hospital first. But they're in the process, Wesley and Josie are in the process of securing a way for Bobby to come home without coming in the van. Because they, you know, he really can't make it in the van, and so how would that be? Probably that by plane or something like that. I, oh. I don't know. Or ambulance. so they're still know. in Texas. Yeah, so in fact, she's in Memorial Herman. Okay. And he's, she, I, she said something about Cyprus, something, uh, where Bobby's at now. Okay. Which is real close to Josie. So, and just so, keep so they're they're keep having a whole gamut of things happen yeah, to them. Yeah, no kidding, man. Establish residency pretty quick. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. After six yeah. months, don't you have to technically <laughs> yeah. get your own address? It may be a permanent room, but damn, why? But she sounded pretty well. She only had to stop a couple of times and you know catch her breath. You know, I mean, really stop and just breathe. Right. And uh, so I think overall. <clears throat> she's doing better. In fact, she was going to be released. She said yesterday. But the doctor that she normally that had been coming in to see her told her she could not. I just got a text from her. Okay, so it was this past Thursday. She says she's been there for so far, four days, and has not been released yet. Still having trouble with her oxygen. And she can't get up and walk without the nurse. 
So it'll so, probably hold her at least one day. Yeah, she's also, you know, starting PT. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so they're. So Bobby and Ruthann are not back from Texas. Ruthann mm -hmm. is not in the hospital with blood clots and no oxygen. And when she first went into the the ER, her oxygen level was down to 40. 40. Nice. Yeah. Our <laughs> two steps down a little bit. Yeah. And so she was she was yeah, she was is. needing to go in. That's when you don't want to come here. Yeah. Where there's only half as much oxygen. Well, I know. If you already got half your oxygen there and you got half the oxygen here, what do you, you got 25% of your oxygen by the time you get home? I mean, anyhow, poor old gal. Keep Bobby and Ruthann in our prayers. Uh, Curtis coming home today, possibly. Uh, the Mastins as they fly out to Canada. Uh, what else do we have out there? Event. Got a new event. A new event. The ladies. Uh, it will be a ladies' day in Montrose on March 16th. Ladies' day in Montrose on March 16th. More details okay. to follow. They'll be stuttering. They'll be studying Deborah. They'll be stuttering all over Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> stuttering, studying Deborah. <laughs> okay. And next Excellent. Sunday, or two Sundays from now, the fourth Sunday with mass at evening time. Yep, we got home Bible study the fourth Sunday. Uh, with the Mastons at their place during regular service times, we're just at their house for uh, uh, home Bible study. Oh, she also sent me another note. She said she took a bunch of PT steps today, but doctor said my oxygen dropped too low. Mm -hmm. So she's so on PT, she's, but they're not going to put her on PT. They're, they're yeah. not going to let her go until they're on PT. Yeah, until yeah, it can stabilize. Mm -hmm. Boy, two, three, four weeks, bro. How did she be able to stabilize her quicker than that? Shoot. Well, level, I mean, Once I figure out what's going here, on, it's, it's ball just ball. a matter of... She can be on oxygen probably for a while. She can be on oxygen for a while, but they should be able to stabilize her and get her out of there, I would hope. Oof. Hey, since I'm writing out my check, did we change the name of the account yet? Uh, you can write it out to whomever you would like. Uh, which is a good one. We are the cornerstone of Church Christ. Denise Crawford's a good one too. Uh, Denise Crawford, if she wants to have you sign it to her and her write one big check, that's fine too. I don't have a problem. Oh, no, she says no. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Cornerstone Church Christ uh, is going out and is online, is live right now. So. Uh, you can still make the checks out to Central Church Christ, Mount Vista Church Christ, Church Christ, Cornerstone Church Christ. The bank is very lenient with us. They're nice people. We love our bank. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's all I have. Um, you got it there? Uh, we're going to mic above you. We're good. God, thank you so much for the blessings you give to our small congregation here. God, we know that we are blessed by you and we enjoy that so much. God, be with Bobby and Ruth Ann as they struggle in their, uh, with uh, their health in Texas. God, give them strength and recovery that they get back to us soon. Be with uh, Mastis as they travel and my brother Curtis as he comes back home also. Give them safe passage and a good time of the year. God be with Dan as he speaks to us both for class.
and for his lesson today. Give him those, uh, the words that we know come from you and from your spirit. God, thanks so much for our elderly people. Be with them as this time of winter time is set in on us. Help keep us all safe. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Witherspoons are traveling. Oh. Okay, yeah. Keep the Witherspoons in our prayers too. Man, what a time to travel. Snow has been great. We definitely need it for sure. Thank you, Tom, for getting us place to park. Uh, I was going to load up and bring the tractor up, but you did it for me, and I'm good with that. Welcome to Halfway. <laughs> we are flying low. Uh, I know this is going fast, uh, trying to cover this much material. Um, this quickly is, is difficult. Uh, the nice part about 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus is they kind of rehash some of the same information. They give you some new information. So what we miss in 1st Timothy, we'll pick up in 2nd Timothy. And then we'll get it in Titus. So I'm not hitting everything. We're giving you the highlights. Right? Some of the main points of, of Timothy and Titus. Go look at it. There is so much information that we are just bouncing off the top of. Um, really study it. And, and it is. These three books are they're personal. Um, when you start to read them and you start looking into them, uh, Paul gets really down into the personal there. Uh, yeah, there's coffee and donuts in the back. So, yeah, 8.45, Sunday morning. Forgot to mention that. Coffee break. Bing. Uh, advertisement. Um, so, uh, go in and look at them. We're going to start off in 2 Timothy. We're going to start with chapter 1. We're going to go through chapter 2, verse 7 today. Now, there's five sections that we're going to break this one down into. Second Timothy, the overall view of what we're looking at is Paul is calling Timothy to follow in his footsteps here. He's really putting out a plea to Timothy. Follow my example. Follow my example of fearlessness and suffering and faithfulness in his gospel ministry. Okay. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. The place of the passage. When was this written? When was 2 Timothy written? 4 the last letter. If that's the last. It, it is the last uh, canonical letter they call it that Paul wrote. This is his last letter. Um you think he knew he was going out? Yeah, he did. He knew it. Uh, and it comes apparent uh, as he's writing this. But yeah, uh, right around 66, 67, 80, somewhere in there uh, is when this thing was written uh, to Timothy. Um, but it contains three areas that Paul really wants to drive home. The first one is Paul's confidence in the promises of the gospel. The second is his deep affection for Timothy, and that becomes apparent in this letter. And then his third one is his urgent concern for the church's health and the way it's going about its mission. And you can really see the love that Paul had for the church in 2 Timothy. Right? 
uh, as you start to look at all of the, here's all the negatives that, that Paul's going at. This is what you got. This is what you got. This is what you got. But I encourage you. I encourage you. I encourage you. And you start to see the positives come out. He loves the church. He loves Timothy. And that's going to be apparent here. The first section we're going to hit is Paul's greeting to Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's one sentence, folks. <laughs> if Paul could not write, I don't know who could. <laughs> Periods. No, there's no periods. It's like one giant sentence. This man, good heavens. This is mimicking 1 Timothy, isn't it? If you look at 1 Timothy 1, verse 1 through verse 2, we are fairly close in the same kind of language. Right? But this time, Paul tells Timothy that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Not appointed, but by the will of God. Why do you think Paul began that way? I mean, when we pick up and we sit down, we start a letter to, to Tom. I'm not Dan Baker, construction worker, blah, 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 blah. Who I am and what I do. Why is Paul... He had to establish his credentials, I would think. Timothy, it's unusual because Timothy knew who he was. But yeah, Timothy knew so who he, he was. He thinks this is going to go elsewhere, I would assume. Well, yeah. What did we talk about last week? Who was First Timothy written to? Timothy, yeah, but us. It is. I mean, the very last sentence of First Timothy, grace be with you all. Not grace be with you, Timothy. Grace be with you all. This letter is getting written, and not just to Timothy. He's writing it to the church. He's writing it to other people. He's writing it to us. Let me ask you a question. Brand new convert. You come in, you sit down, you open the book to 2 Timothy. Is there any doubt who wrote this book and why? Right here. I am Paul. I am an apostle. I am apostle by God. It is God's will that I am apostle. Yeah. He continues in there and he says, uh, I'm an apostle by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life. Huh? Alright, break that one out for him. Life that is in Christ Jesus. So, do we have life outside of Christ? Yeah, but it's not a very good life. It's not a life. <laughs> we have no hope for a future. We have no promise. A promise is something that has yet to be fulfilled, right? So, the promise of life. We have an eternal life. We have something that is coming to us. But in this case an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, in keeping with that promise. 
I'm doing God's will. Right. Now, if you go through and you start looking at 2 Timothy, there's actually quite a few references to life. And there was an individual who went through, uh, did I put his name in here? No. But pay attention to the references of life. He went through and, and, and pulled out five references of life. In 2 Timothy 1.1, we just read it, life has promise. 2 Timothy 1.10, life has a presentation. In 2 Timothy 2.11, there's a participation aspect of life. In 2 Timothy 3.12, there is a pattern to life. And in 4, verse 1, there is a purpose to life. Everybody's asking, you know, what's the meaning of life? Well, tell them to go read 2 Timothy 4.1. There you go. There's a purpose of life. Right? There's a lesson there. Five topics. Just handed it out. Someone want it? It's yours. <laughs> But yes, he, he, he says, Timothy, my dear son. Again, very personable here. This is like a dearest son. A very close individual. Right? So he has a lot of love for Timothy. His greeting to Timothy is very strong in how he writes that. Paul's gratitude for Timothy, and not just his gratitude for Timothy, but his sincere faith is what we're going to see in the next two verses here. Starting in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am, reminding of your sincere, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you. A few years ago, I got a call from a college roommate. And he and his family were coming through Alamosa on the way to someplace. And he wanted to catch up. We can't stay long, but we'd like to have at least lunch. Can we do that? How many people would tell a good friend coming through town, you haven't seen him in, oh, let's say, probably seven years, eight years. Nope, I can't make it. You're going to try and make it, aren't you? You're going to look forward to seeing them. What kind of feelings would you have? Excitement. Yeah. You would have that excitement, right? We can't wait to catch up. That joy, that longing to be with them again. That's what Paul's saying here. Right? I can't wait to catch up with you. He wants to be filled with joy. You're filled with joy when you get to see that other individual, aren't you? You're happy. The excitement's gone and it's now replaced with joy. Coming from somebody who's been in prison, <laughs> you think they'd really want to see a familiar face at this time? Oh, yeah. Now, Paul chose to write to Timothy. How awesome is that? Paul mentions that Timothy is in his prayers constantly. Not once in a while, but all the time. Now, we're looking at a faithful, fruitful, effective life in looking at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 
what kind of example should this set for us? Following in his footsteps. Following his footsteps, absolutely. It's not praying when, you know, I'm going to bed. Okay, got down beside me, but no. It's all the time. It's a constant thing. Now, if you go through and you start reading some of uh, Paul's other letters, and how he's telling, I, I mention you all the time in my prayers. I mention you all the time in my prayers. You know how long his prayers must be? There's no, re, no, no wonder he's praying all the time because they just never stop. <laughs> There's no periods either. <laughs> it just went. <laughs> he prayed all the time, absolutely. Paul writes this letter, he says, I'm reminded. He's reminded of Timothy's spiritual heritage. So what do we know of Timothy's upbringing? Paul. Paul, yeah. Acts 16, verse 1. Dad was a Greek Gentile. Dad was a Greek Gentile. His mom was a Jewish. What does this say about Timothy's ethnicity? Dad's Greek, mom's Jew. Something that was frowned upon by Paul Pierce. Yes. <laughs> this was widely accepted, wasn't it? What else do we know about Timothy? Was he... Circumcised or uncircumcised? Later in life. Later in life, he was circumcised. So, whose faith did that fall under? Mom's or dad's? Why wasn't he circumcised? <coughs> because of mom or because of dad? He said no. Dad said no. Mom said no. Doing that? No, no, that's that's a commitment right there, buddy. Yeah, that's a lifelong change. Something you just don't erase. <laughs> it doesn't just you know fingernails grow back. No. So was mom playing by the rules in terms of her religion? She was being submissive to her husband. Absolutely. But he's commended that your mom and your grandma had deep faith. And from that, you have this upbringing that is also in you. How does this help us now to understand the faith that Timothy would have had coming from an area where you got a Greek and a Jew in the same household? Good in that we see people today all they know is the church. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good to get somebody who comes from the outside. Exactly. And that's where he 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 could see both sides of the fence. And I think that's good. It is. He is not someone who was brought up, died in the wool, never seen anything else. 
he has seen, as Steve-O says, both sides of this fence. He understands religion, not from just a Jewish aspect, but from a Hellenistic, Hellenistic Jew and a Greek aspect. This is someone who knows people, bottom line. He sees both sides, absolutely. He says that Timothy has sincere faith. What does that mean? Sincere, genuine. It's for real. Where do we get the word sincere from? <laughs> Here's a Greek word for it. But basically, when they would make pots out of clay, and they would put the pot in the oven, clay has a tendency to do what when it gets hot? Crack. So if I got a pot that I'm supposed to put water in, and it's cracked, what am I going to do with it? Throw it away, or I still want to sell this thing, so I'm going to fill it with wax. You take that pot, that's after it's been done, they've got it filled with wax, so it'll still hold water. And if I want to know that a pot is sincere, I can hold it up to the light and turn it. And I'll find that crack where the wax is at from that light shining through if my faith is sincere, it means it has no cracks. If a pot was sincere, it was genuine. It was the real deal. There were no cracks in this pot. That's what Timothy is being told here. By Paul, of all people. You have a sincere faith. That's pretty powerful coming from a man like Paul, you would think, huh? That's the good news. <laughs> now we jump into the rest. Verse 6 through 11. We're going to be talking about the suffering for the gospel by God's power. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ. Jesus, before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. Yeah, Paul says to him, he says, um, we're going to suffer. But I want you to join me. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. All right? Fan into flame the gift of God. What is Paul saying here? Fan into flame. Worry a little bit. We want to give it a little bit of oxygen and get her to. We want to give it a little bit of oxygen, right? The word fan here is the same as a winnowing shovel. Anybody know what a winnowing shovel is? 
Farmers, we got some farmers here. You know what a winnowing shovel is? Similar to a pitchfork, okay? They're telling you to sift the grain from the shaft. It's this little shovel that they would scoop it up and they would toss it gently into the air. And as they toss it up into the air, the wind would blow away the nasties and the rest would fall down and you'd have good solid grain. A winnowing shovel. That's what Paul is saying here. He's not saying throw this into a mighty gust of wind, because what's going to happen if you throw grain into a mighty gust of wind? Everything goes. Right? If you're trying to get a fire started, you're not going in there with this huge gust of air and going, you gently fan it. You gently blow on it. Gentleness. And that's what he's telling him here. Be gentle, Timothy. Gentleness is the key. It's not a mighty wind. It's a small breeze that gets it done. What's going to happen once that bellows into a full fire, though? What does fire do once it's in a big, huge, engulfing flame? It consumes. It spreads. It generates its own weather system. <laughs> okay. You ever been near a fire that got so hot that you're standing from, from here to amber and it's still burning you? And the wind that it can generate? It's incredible. Absolutely. Fan it now with gentleness. It will roar. Trust us. Something for us to learn for our fruitful lives. First, we have to be gentle. We have to do it with love. Then it will grow, which will effectively guide us to a fruitful life. It says that Timothy has a gift. What was that gift that Timothy had? Fan the gift. Verse 7. First three verses. First three words. What is the gift? The Spirit of God. Big S, not little bitty S. This is a gift here. And what does that spirit do? Powerful in that rather than timid. Absolutely. Do not be timid. He tells them this here, doesn't he? Don't be shy. The Spirit of God is going to make you powerful. Is power a good thing? Can power be a bad thing? It depends on how you use it, right? However, the Spirit of God with the gift is not a bad thing. Why? It gives us power. But what else does it give us? 
insight, self-discipline, and love. Power, when used with love and self-discipline, is never a bad thing. Power without love, without self-discipline, leads to corruption. So the power we get from God through this Spirit is not bad. And that's what he's telling Timothy he has. He goes on and he urges Timothy to join him. Join him in what? Well, in a way, suffering. Hey, come on over to this side. We're going we're gonna to suffer together. Yes, I'm just rushing out the door to go suffer. Right? It doesn't sound any good. But what are we really trying to do here on earth? What is our true purpose? Are we living for the here, for the now, for that next big raise, for that next big car? Or are we living for something more heavenly? That's what Paul is trying to tell him. Hey, come suffer with me. You suffer with me and we have a heavenly reward. We have been promised this gift of life. But suffering for a purpose is not bad. It's all in how we start to look at things. right? Suffering sounds bad. Hey, come with me and suffer. Well, if we told our kids, you know what? It is now December 23rd. All those gifts under the tree, you can't touch. You're going to have to suffer until December 25th. Is that a form of suffering? Will they endure that suffering? Why? Because of the reward. You don't just rush out and open your presence as soon as someone stuffs under the tree. That was mine. You wait. You suffer through and endure walking by that tree day after day going, huh, huh there's another one for me. Yeah. Right? We're excited about it. That's what we're looking at here. A suffering for our reward. Yes, we will have to endure it while we're here on earth. But that's just a blink compared to eternity. And when we start looking at a faithful, fruitful, effective life for Christ, that's what we got to focus on. We don't focus on the suffering, do we? We focus on the reward. That's where our chain of our train of thought has to change. Is it difficult to share the testimony of Jesus? It shouldn't be. If you truly have been given that gift, what's it tell us here? It gives us what? Power. Don't be timid, he tells Timothy. Timothy had the same problem we do here today. Yes, he is going up against a lot of misconceptions. He is going up a lot against these false teachers in the area. And Paul tells him, be encouraged. Don't be timid. Paul moves on. He says, that's the bad but here's the good. 
Being in chains is no cause for shame. He tells them, do not be ashamed of me, for I am in chains. Why would you be ashamed of someone who's in chains? You'd be locked up. Yeah. Generally, that's not a good thing. Yeah. We don't want to associate with that, do we? Absolutely not. We don't want to associate with them lawbreakers. What if breaking the law meant you couldn't pray? You couldn't come through those doors. You couldn't meet secretly. Exactly. Power without love is what they're dealing with there. Government wanted it all for themselves. Sounds a little bit like something we got going on in our society some places, doesn't it? They were trying to make a law in Tennessee that you couldn't drink milk unpasteurized from your own cow. What? So now you control my cow? Huh. Yeah, we're not far from it, people. No, you don't want to associate with these people. Don't be ashamed of why I'm in prison. Go out and share why I am in prison. Tell people what's going on. The reason we get lost, pushed through, is because people are not quiet. The reason laws get made is by people who continue to go forward every day and state their case. We want the laws removed. We think them unjust. What do we do? Do we sit down and just accept it for what it is? Or should we go forward day after day and explain, this is why it needs to be changed? Don't be ashamed of who we are or what we have. Paul continues, he says, hey, with this suffering comes friends, comes family. Onesiris is, is mentioned. He has a person that has been very loyal to him. He came and he found him while he was in Rome. This is down near the end of chapter 1. And Onesiris is, is someone who encouraged Paul. Right? There are several that didn't. Um, can't say their names. Hermogenes and Phygelus. Uh They deserted Paul. But he says, you know what? There is one, though, Onesiris, who has been with me. This guy has been awesome. And I really, really appreciate him coming in. Um, he was not ashamed of my chains. How great would that be? You know you are unjustly put into prison, and this person came in to encourage you. Phenomenal. That's where we know our true friends, our brothers and our sisters come from, right? He concludes chapter 1 and moves into chapter 2 and he says, Hey, um, you've been entrusted with something. Now it's your turn to give back. What is he telling Timothy to do? Be strong in the faith. Yeah. You then, my song, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. In 
1 Timothy, we learn that Timothy was entrusted with the gospel. Now in 2 Timothy, Paul is telling him, you've been entrusted with that gospel, now it's your turn to go find somebody else. He's passed the torch. Paul's coming to the end of his lifetime. This was the last letter he wrote. This is the, the father-son talk. Son, it's your turn now. Have at it. You go find reliable people. He tells them again, share in my suffering. Good, honk. Okay, I got it. Got it. I'm going to suffer. He says, join me in the suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving a soldier, serving as a soldier, gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of a crop. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Paul uses three different types of people. The soldier. And he tells Timothy, you know, as a soldier, do what? Don't get dragged down with everything that's around Stay focused. A soldier does not lose focus, do they? So stay focused. An athlete. As an athlete, do what? Follow them rules. And as a farmer, Share, share the word. Share the word. Work hard at what you're doing. There's a lazy farmer, and there's a hard-working farmer. The lazy farmer doesn't get a lot of crops, do they? A hard worker should have the first fill, Timothy is told here. Our three points for our fruitful, effective lives is to stay focused, live by the rules, and work hard. That's what we take out of the first seven verses and of chapter 2 and of chapter 1. Next week we're going to be talking on, let me go look and see what we got, dealing with the opposition in the church. We're going to read uh, chapter 2, verse 8 through chapter 3, verse 9. So if you wanted to get a little jump start, figure out what we're going to, that's where we're at. Thank you all for being here.